Hi, my name is Heidi Harriet, and this is my new podcast, Animal Tales. I wanted to start a podcast because I wanted to talk about animals. There's so much information about animals out there and people who love animals and want to take care of animals. I'm a third-generation animal trainer and animal welfare expert. I was privileged to grow up with a veritable Dr. Doolittle. My father, some people would say, was the original animal whisperer. It was truly amazing. When I think of the song from Dr. Doolittle, the original song, If I Could Talk to the Animals, Learn Their Languages, that I think of my father. We had elephants, camels, llamas, zebra, horses, and many more domestic animals. My mother trained ponies, dogs, and horses as well. And our childhood, I have three sisters, was spent in Baraboo, Wisconsin, which is the original home of the Ringling Brothers. It's called Circus World, and it was a playground for my sisters and I. We had three beautiful young elephants, Topsy, Eva, and Toby, 15 Shetland ponies, eight very large draft horses, gray percherons, Cleopatra the camel, a lovable American saddlebred named American Anthem, a sorrel color horse, which is a red color. My mother had poodles and ponies that performed together. Her poodle dogs had the classic poodle haircuts, and their names were all French names, Coquette, Jacques, Pepe, Mitzi, and Michelle. The ponies were Snowball the Trick Pony. He was a little white Shetland pony. He actually had a book written about him, and the dogs rode on his back. And a little bit, the smallest of the group, he was a miniature horse, quite the little belly on him, and he was quite the card as well. It was absolutely idyllic. We had some of the ponies that performed also pulled a sleigh. So, of course, in Wisconsin in the winter, it's uh, easy to use a sleigh. And eventually, one of the young elephants pulled the sleigh. So I'm the only kid I know whose sleigh was pulled by an elephant. So again, I'm doing this podcast because I want to talk about animals. We tend to use emotion, philosophy, and ideology to think about animals, to interact with them, and certainly for laws and regulations and such. I figured it's probably better to do a podcast than try to pester my friends all the time with all of this information. So this is a way for me to share information and amazing guests, you know, subject matter experts, friends, and uh, peers who I've long admired or collaborate with that I feel like you need to hear from. We hear a lot from the uh, critics of animal trainers and owners, the animal rights community, the extremists. First and foremost, if you care about animals, that's wonderful. We are in line there and can agree upon that. Where that changes is when you become ideologic or emotional Animals are very practical, matter-of-fact beings, and I was taught as a third-generation trainer to approach animals with knowledge, with expertise, with best practices, with science, and that's how we put our program together. That's what we base our animal training and care on. We live in a very emotional climate. 
I describe it this way. People tend to react like on social media. Think of the emojis, the happy face emoji and the care emoji, the hugging the heart or the uh, angry emoji or the sad face emoji with a tear. These are used often and very reactionally with a snippet of a story. However, we don't really know the essence of the story, what I call the middle, where the information lives, where truth is found, where the breakthroughs happen and the training. I call this the thinking emoji, the middle. It's the emoji with his hand under his chin. Be thoughtful, be curious, look for more information. My father and mother have passed And I know my sisters and I all talk about the fact that when we step into a training ring or we're working with an animal, we like to say we're channeling our father, John Harriet. He was truly amazing and uh, also pretty funny. Training training times were, were really interesting and cool and crazy and everything. But he had a saying, a couple things. One was, it's never the animal's fault. And I tell my clients when I'm training dogs and horses with people this, and it really helps you be mindful that you, you cannot get angry at the animal. My father believed this to the extent that when we were younger, if we were working with an animal and we would be like, oh, you're being such a jerk to the animal or that type of thing, he would literally escort us out of the training ring or arena and encourage us to collect ourselves And understand that if the animal was being a jerk or the animal had gotten the best of us, that was on us. And it was a really, really cool thing to encounter. And it stayed with me and it's probably made me better in all my interactions. So live by, you know, the motto, it's never the animal's fault. And the other thing he said, and it's really amazing how often this holds true. (laughs) You have to be a little smarter than the animal you're training. (laughs) I laugh and I almost get teary-eyed thinking about that because of all the times I'm working with an animal and I feel like they've kind of got the best of me or I get frustrated or, you know, where knowledge ends, frustration begins with an animal. So I hear my dad in my head, I walk away, sometimes go sit down on the edge of the ring and uh, contemplate what I'm going to do or approach it in a different way and go back and usually with great success. So the two things there that I have to always remember, it's never the animal's fault and you have to be a little smarter than the animal you're training. And right now I'm going to have you listen to a little clip of my dad. Many years ago, I created a television series called Heidi Harriet's Horse Tricks where I helped people train uh, tricks with their horses, which is a great way to have fun with your horse expand their mind and better your relationship. So I want you to enjoy this clip of my dad in my Heidi Harriet's Horse Tricks television series. The one thing I found with animal training that's exciting for me is that we're actually getting inside an animal's brain. We're communicating with them. It's not only physical, it's mental. And uh, so when we start to train an animal, 
It isn't just that we bring them out, put them on a lunge line and go to work. We observe them in the stable. We uh, see what kind of disposition they have. We try to figure out what personalities they might have. Maybe some little quirks that we know we're going to have to get, work the animal around that and get to understand them. So each animal becomes individualistic with, the, with us. And the, the wonderful thing is, is when we find out that we are communicating with them. That's so exciting. So every day is all brand new. We have to do our homework. When we practice, we, we do something and we try to remember exactly what happened the day before. So now we know the next day where we're going to have to proceed. And we should always progress more and more and more. Never let it become a status quo so that the horse just becomes uh, the animal into a into a situation where they don't develop. We want to keep, once we get something going, we go on to something else. So those are the things that uh, are important to me. And also, I just uh, can't say how much we enjoy training animals or educating animals. There are a lot of people that can perform with animals or show horses or show them but they're not really trainers they're not they, they don't take that raw animal and work with it and that's i think that's the most exciting part of it he truly was amazing and i'm honored to carry on his legacy with animals in about the uh, early 90s late 80s i went from thinking of my dad and fellow trainers as these people we worship to hearing them called horrible names and by virtue of the fact that they chose to work with animals, train animals and present animals were horrible people. And that's even gotten worse today. It's very difficult and I wanna say this about that. If you believe that somebody mistreats animals, let's say on a circus, you have to believe that every single person who is on that circus is turning their head to something unsavory. Does that sound like a realistic scenario? The people that you are hearing from about animals are not experts. I always laugh and say they should teach college courses on how to create a narrative, how to spin a story, and how to raise money because the groups like the Humane Society of the United States and People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals and many others have multi-million dollar war chests and are very vocal about animals and people like myself that work with animals and they vilify us. They vilify carriage drivers, circus elephant trainers, zoos, dog breeders, and the list goes on. But yet, they're not the people out there when the farmers are trying to take care of animals in the frozen north or in the middle of summer droughts. They're not the people who are perpetuating highly endangered species by collaborating on breeding programs. They're not funding rangers in parks all over the world that are caring for animals in what used to be the wild 
and now is captively managed by humans for the potential opportunity to save the species. You can tell I'm very passionate about this. I invite all of you to make up your mind, but I would encourage you to please take in all the amazing guests that I'll have on the podcast to help you make a more informed decision. At least it'll balance the information that you have and consider what working with animals is really about. I will say this. I truly believe that those who don't do right by animals should be prosecuted. And I stand by that. And there are plenty of laws in place to do just that. I do take issue with outright bans on various aspects of dealing with animals, such as breeding animals or performing with animals. So picture this, you have a pet dog and you're struggling with your pet dog to maybe behave, walk on the leash or sit, stay. And I actually do a lot of dog training. I very much enjoy helping people um, up their game with their dog and create a better relationship. I grew up with people who were such amazing animal trainers. They walked a hundred animals, elephants, camels, llamas, zebras, horses, and more through the Holland Tunnel in New York City. They could do that because of the incredible level of training. Animals are amazing. Developing their minds and taking them to the next level is amazing. If I, could, if I could show you that passion, it might help you understand that there's definitely more to this story. So I hope you'll come along on this journey each week to listen in on interesting conversations with experts from the Iditarod race to animals in medical research, the perpetuation of highly endangered Asian elephants, the role of true service dogs in our communities, how fairs do amazing work teaching the community about agriculture and animals. How one woman started a wildlife habitat to share animals and educate people. You'll hear about amazing organizations such as Protect the Harvest and the National Animal Interest Alliance, who provide resources to help all of us understand the role of animals in our world and true animal welfare. I'm Heidi Harriet. I certainly hope you enjoyed this episode of Animal Tales. It's really important to me to provide this information, provide the other side of the story about these amazing people and their animals. I'd certainly love your feedback. You can email me, animaltalespodcast at gmail.com. Also, please subscribe, rate and review us, and please share this with others. I hope you'll join me next time for Animal Tales. Animal Tales.